you ready for farm freedom? It's not just, you know, muddy pigs and roosters crowing and walking around in boots all the time. You know, it's a lot more than that. You can make money from this lifestyle, more so than just selling extra eggs at a roadside stand. Welcome to another episode of Farm Freedom. For the next couple of few episodes, we wanted to cover a little bit of, I guess, what we'd call kind of foundational homesteading thoughts, I suppose, um, that we're making the assumption that most people listening to this are definitely either considering homesteading or they're already at a homestead and looking for ways to monetize where they already are. For those of you who are considering homesteading, for those of you maybe who are homesteading where you are and wondering if you can scale up on it, that sort of thing, we want to make sure that we're not setting the stage for, gee, that idea sounds so great, or, oh, you mean I get to make money and have pet goats at my house? That sounds so fun. We don't want to mislead people or present these as, oh, these are such great ideas. You can make money from gardening. You can make money from animals and you can, but we don't want you to fall in love with the ideas and not truly know underneath what you're getting into. So we figured here in the beginning, we'll stick in a few episodes for those people who are new to homesteading, maybe just moved a little to the land and they're thinking about how to get going with You know, should I get chicken? Should I just do a garden? Should I start slow? Should I go breakneck speed, right? We want to make sure that we're setting some, some, I guess we'd call them ground rules. Things to think about before you get in too deep. Because again, we don't want people diving in with, I'm going to do all these, you know, four, five, six great homemade money ideas, overstretch yourself, or not really have the right idea of what you're really getting into. And... There would be nothing worse, in our opinion, than people diving into homesteading and farming to find out that this was not right for me. This was not right for us. We shouldn't have done this. We don't want regret. We don't want to. We don't want to cause regrets, right? We want people to know ahead of time that homesteading is not all sunshine and rainbows every day. It's hard work. It's tough, but it's also rewarding. Right, and I think most people have that rough idea, but some of maybe the nuances we want to talk about. You might have kind of gotten a hint from the. Uh, episode title if you if you read it that today's episode is is homesteading right for you and the main three things we want to talk about in that respect is balancing isolation convenience and community now before you ask the question of homesteading is right for is is it right for me those are not the only three things to consider we have a whole blog post up about this on our website you know what we'll put the link in the episode description But there's obviously what we kind of call like the on paper considerations of a homesteading is right. How much money you have, how much money you make. How much money you have that's able to be spent. That you could put towards buying land if, for example, you're coming from like an apartment or renting a house, right? You obviously need money to buy a homestead, right? You need money to run the homestead. If you're not making money from your homestead, you're going to need to make sure that it fits into your budget to run the homestead to keep your animals fed, all that kind or, of stuff. Or even rent the homestead because some people do rent their Some people their do rent. That's a good thought too. Regardless, the things on paper to look for are what's your income? 
How does that match versus what you want to do on the homestead in terms of not just acquiring the homestead space, but keeping it running? Another, if you will, paper consideration is your time, your schedule. What does your average day look like? Are you going to have time to do morning chores and evening chores? Are you planning on doing something on your homestead that requires more than morning and evening chores? Right, right. And that's, again, why we're doing this episode. It's not just, you know, your day, your family's day. Do you have kids? Are they in school? Are they homeschooled? Do they have extracurricular activities? Are they on the travel soccer team? And so you guys aren't even going to be home multiple days a week. You know, there's a lot of those scheduling things that you're going to want to consider. Another quote-unquote on-paper thing, it's not necessarily on paper, but we'll call it a mental list, and you could turn it into paper pretty easily, is what skills are you bringing to the table? And by that, I do technically mean, are you handy? Are you able to fix things? Because if one of your animals knocked down the gate and you now have to repair that gate, are you able to repair that gate? Or are you going to have to call somebody? And And better yet, who do you call? Who do you call as a contractor to come in and, and be hey, there fix in my two fence? Days. <laughs> right. Nobody's nobody's right. going to be there that day. If you need a cow in the pasture on a daily basis, you're not going to get that fence fixed today unless you do it yourself, most likely. Which means that you're now in a really sticky situation if the fencing company can come fix it in maybe a week or two. What are you going to do in the meantime? And so, and the, the law of farming is if it can go wrong, it yeah. will eventually yep. go wrong at some point. Murphy was a farmer when they wrote Murphy's Absolutely. Law. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, you have to be prepared to be able to do these things. And if you're not capable of it, you either have to have somebody that's partnered with you or good luck. homesteading might be extremely tough for you. Right. So, like we said, there's a whole post. Go read that for the concrete considerations. They're not black and white, but they're a little closer to a black and white of, you know, you either can afford this or you can't. You either have the time or you don't. You either can and are willing to do the work, learn the skills, etc., or you're not. They're very, very black and white. There are some things, though, that are kind of hard to explain on paper, like we said, more of the things that reflect more of your life philosophy in terms of is homesteading a good fit for you. Isolation, convenience, community. We wanted to kind of talk about that in a, you know, this kind of format. These other definitely more gray area concepts in is homesteading right for you? Because these are the things that you're not necessarily going to have a cut and dry answer to. Like we said, you know, fence breaks, you need to fix fence. You're either going to learn how to do it and do it, or you're going to have somebody fix it. But one way or the other, that's going to get fixed. Taking the first thing, isolation, for example, that's not something that's going to get fixed right away. That may some, might be something that never does get fixed. You may always be dealing with that to an extent, to a degree. And where you get your homestead can really cause the isolation as well. To kind of explain what we mean by isolation, you're not necessarily going to have the same sense of belonging, companionship than you had before. And I'll give you I'll give you the best example I can think of. Eric and I have been married for 10 years. We've been together for what, 14, 15 years now? Long, 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 long before that ever happened. Mentioned it in the last episode. I remember being something like six years old and telling my grandma that I wanted to buy the farm next to her. Part of that was because I wanted to live next door to her, but part of that is because I wanted a farm. So I have literally wanted a farm for what, 25 years, something like that? To my memory, Eric's been the same. I grew up in farm country with right. all the, every John Deere toy you can think of playing farm all the time because 
That's just right. kind of we what still it was. have those farm kids from your childhood that our kids are now obsessed with. But we've both wanted farms forever. We were talking about this. We don't even remember having the conversation with each other that really kind of got to the point of like, oh, you want to have a farm when you grow up? Me too, right? I literally don't even remember that ever leaving our mouths, yet somehow that's just always been for 15 years now, that's been the collective thought of we want to farm someday. And that's so weird to me that we can't even remember that, right? And, and, and we know it had to be at least nine years ago because we looked at a farm when we were buying our first house. Oh, it was definitely while we were dating, but it was... It must have been like our first date and our first conversation and like literally the first words out of our mouth, we must have stumbled through like, I want to farm when I grow up. How about you? And like, that was it. Either like get the check or continue the date. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure what really, uh, when that really happened, but. Uh... Farming has always been something that everybody who knows us has associated with us. It's just, it's been there forever. Yet when we were looking for property. We didn't really say anything to, I mean, our best friend who's a realtor knew that we were looking because they were a realtor for this. But while we were looking for our house, for our farm, I should say, we didn't say anything to anybody of like, oh, we're looking because we knew how picky we were going to be. We knew how particular we were about certain features and distances and all that kind of stuff like we talked about in the last episode. So we didn't want to say anything. And then, you know, what if it took us a year to find a farm and people would be like, oh, are you guys really moving? Are you sure you're going to find a farm? Like, is that still a thing? Is that still happening? So we didn't really mention anything, but like, it's been a given for over a decade that anybody who knows us knows we want to farm someday, knows that we're that type of people, right? And so when we finally told my parents, for example, we're buying land and my dad got it, He's like, hey, you know, sounds awesome. Good for you guys. Congrats, right? He understood it. My mom, first question out of her mouth, you just got your house renovated. Why would you want to move now? Her second question, your house is gorgeous. Why would you want to give that up? For us, that wasn't a question of wanting to give that house up. We we wanted a farm. That was more important to us Admittedly, than the house. if we could have airlifted that exact house and dropped it on this land... That would have been great. <laughs> we would have done that in a second. That would have been great. Not going to happen, though, because it's really hard to sell a house and then take the house with you. Yeah, it's uh, not possible. Not, yeah, not really in the contract. But I think my dad kind of understood, you know, was excited for the idea because he grew up on a piece of property where his family really did do more homesteading. Like, his stories have just been flowing since we moved here about how they were taking care of, they had meat rabbits and they were taking care of these chickens. And Back in know, the 50s, I mean, that's right, when back homesteading when he was growing up. Was that's when normal. it was. Right. Homes, exactly. Homesteading wasn't really homesteading. It was just normal everyday life activities, you know? But point We've being... about homesteading over the years. Right. But point being that, and no diss to mom if you're listening, sorry. It just, it makes me chuckle since she said it, was just kind of an amusement of like, wow, that's really, that's just really strange to me that some people just get it. And some people are like, wait, why would you want to do that? Right? Which leads to kind of the convenience questions. You know, other questions she brought up of like, why would you want to raise your own chickens and deal with all of that when you can just go to the grocery store and buy chicken? Why would you want to collect eggs when you can just go to the store and get it, right? And and we've had more than just her ask I, that. I have a co-worker who is admittedly slightly a germaphobe and he tells me on a regular basis that he does not understand how we would even want to remotely do this. 
and he doesn't understand why we would want more than a quarter of an acre of property to take care of. And right. We And like we're sitting here thinking 24 acres is small and then there are people who are like, oh my gosh, that's so much land. I can't even picture it. And, and he wants a sidewalk in front of his house that he could walk to the grocery store and right. we would rather have the grocery store be in a walk backyard. away in our backyard. And so that's, I think that's the best way to kind of describe the idea of like the isolation and stuff is that some of you are in the right area of the world or the, or the town or whatever that there's maybe more people homesteading than not. You might find yourself up against people who kind of think you're crazy for wanting to do this. I think it's it's worth giving pause to spend the time and think about this lifestyle homesteading really is anything but convenient. Not just the idea of homesteading is isolating, right? People who just don't understand you, but it's also isolating in terms of, you know, there's no vacation time. You're tied to your land in a way, regardless of land size, almost regardless of what, I mean, unless all you have is a garden with a super sick automatic watering system, if you have any livestock, if you're going like full-fledged homesteading, there's additional isolation in that sense. If you uh, spend your whole day at work and then all your coworkers want to go out after work and you're sitting there going, ah, I got to go home and do chores, it's definitely creates that isolated feeling because now everybody else is going out having a good time but you you're committed to that farm right. and you have to go and it's almost like you're a teenager with a curfew again absolutely and it's just sorry guys my, my farm needs me yeah i got i gotta go pet some chickens and some ducks and uh you guys have fun oh, well shoot fun. that's a good way to lose friends real fast yeah i'm picking my birds over you guys sorry they're friendlier <laughs> they, they don't talk back they just quack Fair enough. You'll find that weekends are extremely busy, that you're cleaning out your chicken coops, you're doing all sorts of projects that you have to get done and you can't like really put them off. Like that fence that broke? Yeah, the fence <laughs> broke, you gotta go fix it. Friday you spent the, the whole day working on stuff and your back hurts, you wake up Saturday morning and it doesn't matter, you gotta get up and still do those chores. And it's just a time commitment that you gotta do and your list never gets smaller it always seems to get larger and you gotta keep going and you don't get to do a lot of the things that you want to do so when your friends want to get together you're busy working on the farm some of them will say hey i'll come over and help and they might help for a couple hours but a lot of times it distracts you from actually getting work done yeah the few times we've had people come help us with a, with a couple exceptions but We've definitely gotten less done where it's like, maybe you should just go home. I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad to see you, but... And it just definitely makes you lose some relationships because some people don't... I wouldn't say you lose them. Maybe they get distant. Yeah, I would say you get a little distant in some of them that it's, it is hard because I think, I think like for us that we used to have friends over at our house often, you know, and it was a nice big comfortable house to be in and to have kids playing and everything and it's different now because it's like you know I think there's a mental block for some people who don't love homesteading as much as we do that it's like oh I don't you know like oh come visit us it's like yeah but there's chicken poop on your sidewalk (laughs) you know and so it's so it's different because you know everybody loves to go to the petting zoo kind of thing but for us it was a little different too because with cancer we kind of I don't want to say lost relationships. We, we distanced We had to ourselves. go hermity. Yeah, and, we had to be hermits. And I think we've continued our hermit way by... With COVID. Yeah, yeah with COVID and homesteading. So 
I don't want to give a lot of answer to that yet because maybe our relationship maybe it's just us maybe it has nothing to do with homesteading or covid or anything maybe it's just us and people are finally using this as an excuse to be like thank god we're rid of them i don't know could be i don't know i hope that that's not the case and i hope that's not the case for anybody listening but (laughs) regardless um the fact is that you run the risk of missing out on things because you're not necessarily going to go... I mean, maybe you don't have kids, right? And there was going to be some vacation of like a couple's trip to Myrtle Beach. You may not be able to do that if you can't find a good farm sitter. You might potentially miss out on some of those. I guess I guess the way to say it is not that you're going to lose out on relationships. You might lose some bonding time. You might miss out on, on bonding occasions. on memory making occasions in other ways that you're making great memories on the homestead with you and your family whatever your family is but there may be things that you're gonna really wish you could be in two places at once and you're gonna have to choose so it's tough not just on the part of other people understanding you or not understanding you it's also tough that sometimes you are put into situations where you have to make hard choices of where do I want to be right now or where should I be or can I even be anywhere but here There's definitely a give and take there. That's one of those not black and white, never can be black and white, because it's really on an event to event or a person to person kind of decision. If you're lucky enough to have a buddy farm close by and you swap back and forth, that might work out for you. That's true. Not everybody can have a buddy farm close by. We don't, do we? Not yet. We're working on it. We're working on it. That's true. We're working on it. One of the questions that we've seen, not just us, but like on social media comments for other homesteaders too, that there also seems to be this kind of concept, which is really, really amusing to us, that you're raising your kids on a farm, they're going to be weird. Like you're raising like farm kids. So like they're always dirty. They're always smelly. And it's like, well, yeah, that's true. And my washer hates us, but we don't you know, take them places when they're dirty and smelly. I mean, we clean we them don't up usually, before we leave the house. We don't usually take them places when they're dirty and Tractor smelly. Tractor supply doesn't count. Yeah, that never counts. But, and, and maybe that's because a lot of homesteaders also homeschool. Maybe that's at play too. But In general, you get a group of people who say, oh, that's so cool. They're going to have such an amazing childhood. That's so awesome. And then you get another group of people that are like, but who are they going to play with? If there's no neighborhood and no neighborhood kids, who are they going to play with? Why are your kids pretending to be roosters and crowing right now? Yeah, that was a good time when we when we got together with the our our one farm friend and all these farm kids. Instead of playing, you know, robots and superheroes, they're playing chickens and they're having a crowing contest. And they were being goats and they were jumping on stuff. And they were also pretending to lay eggs. Yeah, which is like a whole honest to god, it's weird. Yeah, our kids are weird, but you know what? We're totally okay with that. And you just need to make the decision if. You're okay with your kids being like that too, perhaps. Hey, but, we're all a little bit weird. You know, if, if you haven't figured it out yet, yes, homesteading is obviously a lifestyle change, right? It's a life philosophy that you really kind of need to, I guess, define for yourself, but know that it's probably going to be very different than the vast majority of people in, you know, your town, for example. We're jumping back and forth here. Oh, well, but going back to this idea of like the convenience of, you know, it sometimes is cheaper, Right. And here's another place where you can kind of isolate yourself of like, why are you guys doing this to yourselves? Sometimes it, honest to God, might be cheaper to just buy chicken, for example, at the grocery store. 
Like can... we can we can raise chicken. We honest to God, we're raising chicken ourselves for approximately, if not slightly more than what we could go buy a whole chicken for at the grocery store. But why do we do it? When you look at the meat that comes from those grocery stores, you will find that there's more veins, more fat. It's just not as good of a cut of chicken as what you can grow or raise, I should say, well, part on of, your own property. Part of that depends on what kind they're raising. Broilers versus, versus heritage, you're going to see some different with the fat content and stuff. I have found that if you buy the high-end chicken from... The organic, the grass-fed. Yeah. From, better yet, better yet, vegetarian-fed, which indicates they don't go outside. From everybody's likely. favorite Rochester-based grocery store. The meat is just not as good of quality as you would get from raising your own it just doesn't taste as good it's not as tender it's a different meat and that's the biggest thing that we've you noticed. get yeah. spoiled everything get now it. it now we'll admit that we have not raised much for home-raised meat yet because we're obviously only a year into this but we have been very particular about sourcing our meat as farm-raised meats for quite some years now obviously we're homesteader people we care about this that's why we've been doing it but we've been sourcing our meat from farms locally that do the heritage breed and the organic and the grass-fed and all that kind of stuff and i cannot even begin to describe the difference in the quality to me what's more important is that i know i'm not eating auction meats like a dairy cow maybe that it's like well she's not producing enough could be sick with something she you know just not doing well send her to auction send her to the meat auction right you are bound to be getting maybe not the organic and stuff as much but you're raising it yourself because you know the quality of that animal you know without question whether or not that animal was sick when it was butchered you know without question that theoretically it lived a good life if you took good care of it right i mean we've been talking about this lately we know that we have birds that appreciate living here because as it turns out we definitely have happy birds as it turns out one of our sick ducks was a sick duck had botulism recovered from it shockingly which was like super impressive has had a severe limp since it gets picked on sometimes by the roosters but it's a super sweet bird because eric found out the other day that she wanted to ride on the gator with me she literally came waddling over quacking at me as i'm about to get going on the gator and i sat there i'm like what what do you want and she tries climbing on and she can't do it she can't do it the bum leg so i got off i picked her up i put her on the seat and i uh took her for a ride over to where i was going and she happily rode with me and it saved her a walk from the barn over to the chicken coop and she was happy to sit there and get pet by me and and our daughter and Right, and this is the bird that comes up to us and she like nibbles on the cuffs of our pants so that you bend down and pet her and and she'll nibble and nibble and nibble and as soon as you start petting her, she stops pulling on your clothes. She stops nibbling at you. And so it's like clearly this bird, I mean, maybe maybe we're just crazy. Again, maybe it's just us that's the weirdos, but... And a week or two ago, I uh, snuck up behind one of the chickens, picked it up and held it for a while and pet it for a while and then she followed me around after that. Okay, listen, listen. Freezing in fear is not the same as affection. <laughs> you can't sneak attack a chicken and say it likes you, okay? That doesn't After count. After she froze in fear and I set her back down, she kept coming back and asking for more pets. Mm. Followed me around after that. Fair enough. Back on topic, though. The point is that we know how these birds are cared for. We, we also know, that- know when we butcher them, how they're getting butchered. We make sure to follow proper practices. We make sure to put them on ice quickly. Don't wait for that. When you get a chicken from a store, you don't know if 
the truck on the way to the store got a little bit warmer than it was supposed to. Well, they actually, if it's not butchered, I think at least our grocery stores, unless there's a butcher shop in store, they're actually shipped frozen, I think, a lot of times. Because we've gotten, you know, fresh meat from the store and it definitely is frozen all the way through and i'm like that ain't just the back of your cooler because the tray next to it wasn't frozen so i honestly think that you get it shipped frozen which obviously there's nothing wrong with that because we're freezing our meat before we eat it too usually but it's nice to know now i guess you know what touch the meat well i mean take that with a grain of salt though because there are some people listening who probably don't care it's nice to know that they're not sick there's some kind of satisfaction like what you're saying with that it's you know we're doing our best to handle it cleanly and follow the right you know safety precautions and everything there's probably little chance that i'm gonna get any coli recall and then panic and have to go comb through my freezer and take out some trays of meat and throw them away because oh it's from that lot right which is a huge waste and so you know i know not just bird condition but i know I know food quality, you know? I mean, how many times have you ever heard of a lettuce, E. coli outbreak tied to backyard lettuce, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody else has I mean, to go every, throw their lettuce out. Every year for how long? I mean, it seems like every year there's at least one romaine lettuce, go dump your salad, right? Like, I don't know why the government wants us to not eat salad so much, but yeah, it, it constantly I'm all for happens. It. <laughs> and if you're growing your own, you don't have that issue. Right, you typically don't because you're not going to see these large-scale farms for lettuce near manure runoff from somewhere else and you should be handling your farm in a way that that doesn't happen and then again that's entirely off topic so point being that with this kind of sense of isolation of people who aren't going to understand why you're doing this hard work and turning your nose up at this convenience of a grocery store right because yeah it's a hell of a lot more convenient i wouldn't trade anything for having that buddy duck that likes to come over and ask you to pet her and birds that follow you around and you bend over and fill a waterer this, this just just this morning. I was filling up a waterer and bent over to, to screw the lid back on, and I had a bird jump up on my shoulder, just like, oh, hey, what's going on? And they, the way they follow you around for feed, you know, and the way our goats are that we free-range our goats. And so I'm walking them around the yard to get them to where I want them to snack today and work on weed control. And I start, I'm like, all right, you guys are good? You good? Start walking away. And they start screaming and following me like, no, come back, come back. We want our friend here, you know, and we've got a goat that rubs her hand or rubs her, her head on our hands asking to be, you know, scratched behind the ears and everything. And that, to me, that is really something that, you know, isolation and convenience be damned. You can't get that anywhere else. Where are you in your everyday life other than on your farm or your homestead? Where else are you every day going to get this appreciation from, you know, especially goats and chickens and stuff that like bird brain is a thing and dumb goats are kind of like a phrase I've heard long before I got to a farm. And that's the kind of thing of like, there's just, you get to feeling this mutual respect between you and between your animals, you know, knowing that you're going into this, yes, to eat them. That's okay. You know, that's that's why we live this life. You're not going to get that kind of unique relationship with, with creatures in any other sense because, you know, you're not going to milk your dog. <laughs> and I, I don't think you're going to eat your cat, you know. So there's definitely, there's something there. Along with isolation, you can also build a lot of community in the you, homestead. You need to build community. And it it's strange that it actually comes easier than we expected. And it finds its way to you sometimes. 
but you may also need to work at it a little bit. Yeah, you can't just sit on your farm and expect other farmers to show up and say, hey, I farm next door. How are you today? Right. Wouldn't that be great if it did? It would make things a little bit easier. It would. But the great thing about this farming community, you can have a competitor next door to you and they will help you. Right. You know, if you have your tractor breakdown and they find out, they might come over and help you cut a field. They... You know, everybody works together in the farming community. It's Because we're all working for the same thing. Absolutely. In a way. Whether you're, honestly, and that's whether your farm is for profit almost or not. That, you know, even if you're just homesteading for yourself, if you've got a, a big farm next door, a little farm, another homestead, whatever it might be, that, you know, yeah, we've we've heard people talking about how they trade canned goods for, you know, fresh fruit from the other person's farm because they don't have any fruit trees. Or, yeah, they'll help with equipment or hey you know you need to borrow it just let me know and it's share and share alike it's really an amazing community and we see that on instagram as well obviously yeah if you're not if you're listening to this and you are not on instagram and in the homesteading community you need to get there um then again if you're listening to this i'd be surprised if you didn't find us on instagram so probably you're probably on there i mean regardless just just get get in there find the community but that's actually one of the coolest things to us. Um, and it, I mean, it, it takes a little work on your part sometimes to build a community. Like you said, it's not just going to fall into your lap. It's not just going to walk up and ring your doorbell. But get on Instagram and take a look and see who you can find in this niche. You can start with our profile and see who we're following because, you know, we'll be the first to admit that there are definitely accounts on there that are worth following far more than ours is worth following. But Getting on Instagram and finding people is a great way. Um, there are actually a lot of homesteading groups on Facebook, if you'd rather use that platform. Um, but one of the coolest things that we've found is actually for us local networking that in a way has almost fallen into our laps. Absolutely. But it still requires us, which for me is actually really difficult, but it requires us to be willing to talk to strangers. <laughs> And kind of open up and share about yourself, which is, it's, you have to, I guess you have to kind of fight the isolation by accident. Well, you know, we were talking earlier about how some people think it's strange what we do, but I like to tell anybody and everybody that I can what we're doing. Hi, my name is Eric and I have goats. What? (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, it might go a little less awkward than that. A little more smooth? Yeah. But I find that the more I talk to people, the more you find out oh, hey, I raise chickens, or I do this, I do that, and you just kind of keep finding people just randomly. And And it is literally so random. Because, like, the one that we connected with, we're in our local Buy Nothing group, which you should join if you're not in it. Because it's actually, these people are, to me, like, as close to homesteading as you get without homesteading. Because everybody's just, it's like a gift economy. It's great. But anyway, so in that group, we had something that we went to go pick up from their house for free, right? Because that's how the group works. So we went to this house to pick up windows that we're going to use for our greenhouse or something. And we, as a thank you for being like, you know, a a sunroom's worth of windows that it, we're it like. That's a lot of windows. That's a, right. That's a lot of material that we can use for building like greenhouses or putting windows in the chicken coop or whatever. And so as a thank you, we brought them a dozen eggs and the lady's like oh that's so cute thank you so much you know like really appreciate this like just just a gesture of thanks kind of thing we're loading the windows and all of a sudden her husband comes like blowing out the front door and he's like you guys are farmers we're like yeah (laughs) 
come to find out, he is a farmer as well. They actually have, I think it was a couple hundred acres. Yeah, of, two or three hundred acres. A vegetable farm. Right, him and his brothers. In another town. Bought land. It was sometime early 2000s. And they started growing all different vegetables. And they've got multiple stands and everything. And he asked us, hey, we're not selling eggs right now. Would you guys be interested yeah, in we selling don't, eggs we don't do in our eggs. stands? We're vegetables. We don't do eggs. Do you want to sell your eggs at our stand? And we're like, well, we'll look into the regulations for that. But yeah, because it's off farm. But If our chickens would just stop molting and actually know, lay eggs, right? we might actually be uh, selling through What the heck? Why eggs. do you guys need new feathers every year? That's so extra. And we found this all out just by going to pick up some free windows. Right, and it's, right. Absolutely crazy how things just kind of fall together this way. But even better than that was that Eric had his hip replaced because, you know, cancer sucks. Gift that keeps on giving. And so he finally got the recliners. He's been asking me, can we get recliners for like three years? Because long story short, after hip surgery, they told him, you're not going to be able to sit in a wooden kitchen chair and try and avoid the couch if you can, because it's going to be really hard to get back up. That's all we have is a large low arm sectional and kitchen chairs. And so I said, fine, forget it. We'll look on Facebook Marketplace. We'll find you some cheap recliner, whatever. So I found some. I went to go pick him up while he was actually in the hospital, still recovering from the surgery. It was like the day after your surgery, right? Yep. Went to go pick up these armchairs and I had I had sent the guy a message. And I'm like, oh shoot, I'm going to be like 15 minutes later than I thought I was going to be because our pallet of farm feed just showed up. So I need to get that out of my one car wide driveway so I can actually, you know, get out of my driveway and get there. So when I get there, the guys ask me, you know, oh, you said you have a farm and how much land do you have? What do you do there? And you know, I'm saying like, we have this much, we have chickens, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. The guy's asking questions about the birds as far as like, how many do you have? How many eggs are you getting a day? Do you sell them? And I'm like, man, this guy must just be really interested in farms or something, right? Turns out that if all continues as plans are laid, he's opening a restaurant, cafe sort of thing in our city, probably in early spring. He said they were they were in the construction phase when I was there getting these chairs. Straight up asks, I'm doing this with, if possible, local vendors only. Would you be interested in being our egg vendor? And I'm like, are you good? Like, yeah, absolutely. Let me know how many eggs you need. And so we'll see, you know, we're not, we're not going to, you know, toot our horn and, and hedge our bets or anything or, or, well, we will count our chickens, but we're not going to count our chickens. But assuming that that goes through, that that actually shakes out, then, you know, we bought armchairs and then landed a deal for dozens and dozens and dozens of eggs every week to supply a restaurant, which is like, that's insane. There we go. Like I've got, a, I've got a great guaranteed customer now. But the point was that it came about that we had that conversation from one little mention of, uh, you know, sorry, something came up. I'm going to be 10, 15 minutes late. I don't know what struck me to say our farm feed pallet just got here. I'm going to be a little later than I thought. I guess the lesson and then, here bam. is uh, be loud and proud about being a homesteader yeah. and make sure everybody knows it. Be proud of your weirdness. Absolutely. Talk about it. Maybe the more we talk about it, the more we normalize, and the less weird it will be, and the less isolation everybody will have. Well, the way our country's going these days anyways, I think more and more people are heading towards homesteading, just, if for nothing else, because of fear of who knows what's happening in our country Well, in the don't get into all the conspiracy theories okay. now. Anyway, long story short is that homesteading is, we think, right for just about everybody, that at the bare minimum, I don't see why you wouldn't want to grow a tomato plant in a patio garden or something. I don't see why you wouldn't want chickens if you can have them. 
I don't understand, and this is me because I've spent my whole life wanting this, that I honestly struggle to see, to understand why would you not want organic, high quality, well cared for, conscientiously raised foods for yourself? Well, I think everybody wants foods that are like that, but that goes into whole other issues of some people don't have access to that. But the more homesteaders there are... The more you can help give back to your community, which is part of why we homestead, which I guess technically we don't homestead, we farmstead. We're working on farmsteading. We're We're not quite there yet. Right. But our our intention was to homestead first. When people started asking us, people that we didn't even know, people in town heard that we're there, you know, from that buy nothing group. Oh, you guys have a farm? Are you going to sell your eggs? We're like, no, but maybe. Again, is homesteading right for me? If you potentially are going to take some hits in terms of events and missing out on things and no vacations and can't go see people at the drop of a hat, you know, you're not, you're not going to take an out-of-state trip to go visit family for a week. Very easily, anyway. You can't drop your chickens off at the kennel like a dog. definitely cannot. You cannot board your chickens anywhere, no. But, you know, other than this gray area, you know, yes, when you start homesteading, you may have moments where you're feeling like... An outsider or that you know nobody gets it and you just feel that's that's that isolation that you just you know I know this is right for me for my family but that doesn't necessarily make it easy when you kind of feel like you're missing out on you know quote-unquote normal life of friends coming over hanging out on a Friday night you know you you really do have to work a, I think a little bit harder to kind of make normal life happen I think but homesteading I think, has to be in your heart to be able to do it. Yes. And I think that's where conscientiously choosing to build your community, whether it's local or whether it's on social media, it doesn't matter. Because I will tell you firsthand experience, Instagram is where, I, where we focus. Everybody on there, I shouldn't say everybody, there's a bunch of jerks on social media, but... Everyone that I've connected with in the homesteading kind of community on Instagram has been nothing but supportive, encouraging, helpful, there when you need them. You know, you can post about something that went right and you've got hundreds of people cheering you on. You can post something that went wrong and you've got those same people there to, you know, keep encouraging you to tell you, hey, it's okay, you know, try again, or it'll be better next time, or hey, everybody goes through this, or whatever. You can send a message with a question to a account you've almost never interacted before other than liking their pictures, and they will be kind and generous enough to answer your question. On Facebook, you can post one comment, and you can get trolled by 20 people and get one real answer. While on Instagram, you don't have those trolls, at least not that we've seen. It's important to build the community, right? But again, these are just some of our thoughts of, I guess, kind of, you know, we thought about convenience versus raising our own before we homestead, before we chose to live here, obviously. That was the intention behind moving here, really, was to get away from that convenience life. But some of that isolation and the need to kind of build our own community in a way that was something i don't think we expected when we moved here 
Yeah, I don't think we expected that. And again, part of that was, you know, some of the COVID and not seeing people and everything. But there still is just, like, we're the only people we know that do this where we are, right? None of our family does this. The, The closest thing to what we're doing is people with gardens. And they aren't very large gardens by any means. Right. So nobody, uh, we really, we don't really have anybody that we know that does this, that we can connect with locally, other than these new people that we're starting to meet. So again, keep in mind things like this, because homesteading might be right for you on paper. Homesteading might be right for you for what you think are your ideals of life, like home-raised food and kids running around and getting dirt and being farm kids and all those kind of, you know, nostalgic or or whimsical kind of thoughts or whatever they might be. But there are going to be some other fallouts, um, some other side effects almost of homesteading like these few that maybe you're not going to think about. So we wanted to make sure that everybody's on the same page for these next few episodes of, you know, what are you really getting into? Look deep inside yourself and think about it before you really jump in. Be prepared. And actually on that same note, if you're already homesteading... And if you haven't started building a community, start doing it. It's time to build that community. Right. Start doing it. And I, I think once you do, your confidence level changes. Your belief in yourself, your belief in what you're doing changes. I think you'd honestly be surprised what you accomplish. If you're, if you're in that place of, you know, I'm doing this and I know this is right for us, but man, this is tough. Like I have nowhere to go. I have nobody to turn to. Nobody understands me. Nobody wants to hear me, you know, nobody wants to commiserate with me about, oh, my chicken's sick or something. You'll be surprised what you can do when you actually start building a group of people behind you who are willing to support you at every turn, who are eager, who are asking, can we support you at every turn? But with that, I think that's about it, right? We'd love to see everybody be able to homestead, but I know that's not realistic. In the next one, we will come back and do, I guess we'll call it, like, Homesteading 101 Part 2. Homesteading 102? Homesteading 101 Part 2? I don't know. Um, To kind of talk about, you know, your land and and your use of your land. It's kind of a next thought in terms of kind of getting up into homesteading or taking your homesteading game to the next level. So, until next time... Again, if you want to take a look at our post on the more black and white considerations prior to homesteading or as you're getting going, findinggoodliving.com slash homesteading dash 101. The homesteading 101 category, you'll find this post. If you're liking this podcast, follow it. Share it with other people that you think would like it. Leave us a comment, send us an email, whatever. Let us know what you think of it. Let us know what you want to hear about, too. 